You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Getting right into the breaking news, the trade deadline is tomorrow. So obviously there's a lot of trades. It's probably going to be more tomorrow, which will be kind of exciting. The issue is usually it's the teams that are at the bottom of the barrel and they're just getting rid of their scraps or you know free agents for next year and, and players that don't look to be part of their future. So very very rarely do you get a difference maker at the trade deadline. You get some big names sometimes with like you know higher salaries or just guys that they haven't been meeting expectations that they're trying to dump. But uh, in this case, the first trade we'll talk about, Avery Williamson, linebacker for the Jets, was traded to the Steelers. And this was for a fifth-round pick. The Jets also sent over a seventh-round pick. And that's basically just giving Avery Williamson away. He's going to be a free agent next year, so uh, a compensatory pick. The Steelers will probably get one of those if he leaves. And it probably will be around a fifth or seventh-round pick. So really, they're, you know... They're getting a seventh round pick and then potentially getting a, a fifth to seventh round pick if he leaves, which, you know, is a good deal for, for the Steelers, especially because of the Devin Bush injury. I think this helps them out. Although, the way Robert Spillane's been playing, you know, he had that pick six just the, uh, the other day against uh, the Ravens. Uh, I, I don't know how much Williamson will play right away, but. Uh, Regardless, it uh, adds some depth for that team. Saints acquired Quan Alexander from the 49ers for Kiki Alonso, and they did get a draft pick as well, a six-rounder. I'm Kiki Alonso's kind of you know he got hurt uh, a while back and he hasn't been the same since his uh, his injury. Quan Alexander, he's you know. He wasn't playing that much. You know, he wasn't doing what he did when he played for the Buccaneers. So he was a piece that the 49ers wanted to get rid of just because he cost too much money to be a backup. And this is a good good move for the Saints. The Saints needed some help at linebacker. So, um, you know, Kiki Alonso will just be a backup for the 49ers, which is fine. Uh that provides the Niners with some depth. And they save some money. So both sides, good deals. Chargers trade Desmond King to the Titans. And Desmond King, he was he's an average cornerback. I mean, he's not horrible. He's not great. Um, Titans, they definitely need some help. They need anything because they're so bad at defending the pass. Uh, Dory Jackson's been hurt most of the year. And without him, the rest of the secondary has just been really bad, really putrid, and Desmond King will be like the king of the secondary with uh, what the, the Titans have, so uh, good move on their part. Kittle's out eight weeks with a foot injury. This is very significant because if you're a Kittle owner, he was kind of a difference maker. 
he's what kind of separated you from the rest of the pack at that position. And now with this foot injury, eight weeks is, is pretty dramatic, and he's going to be out for most of the rest of the fantasy football season. Actually, the rest of the fantasy football season, so you could almost drop him at this point. Um, I, I wouldn't quite yet, just because sometimes guys are able to heal a little bit faster, and if you can get him for the playoffs, that'd be a huge bo- uh, boost for your team. So, Kittle, you need to keep. Really disappointing, you hurt his foot. Uh, that's that's the big injury of the week for sure. Garoppolo, he's out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. Uh, you're not sure how long he's going to be out. It's going to be some time, though, at least two to three weeks. In the meantime, Nick Mullins is going to take over at quarterback. Um, Garoppolo wasn't playing well this year, though, so to be honest, I'm not sure how much that hurts the 49ers. I, I think they can still run the ball and be effective without him. And, you know, he wasn't winning games with his his arm, so I don't know. Uh, it's It hurts a little bit, but uh, not as bad as what we might think for a team losing their starting quarterback. Um, Jake Luton, Oregon State alumni, drafted in the seventh round by Jacksonville. He is going to play against Houston in Week 9. That's going to be crazy. Gardner Minshew has, you know, they haven't liked the way he's, he's played lately, but he got a, a thumb injury, and it's a little more significant than what they thought, so he's going to miss some time, probably a week or two. And uh, Jake Luton, in the meantime, they're going to see what they have in him. But he's a seventh-round pick this year, so I don't know. I don't if I'm if you have Houston defense or you don't have Houston defense and you need to stream somebody like say Eagles or Browns Bengals defense although I don't know why you'd have the Bengals or Browns defense hanging around but you might have the Eagles defense uh the Washington football team you might have their defense you might want to pivot to Houston this week because I'm not saying that Jake Luton's a bad quarterback he very well might be a decent quarterback but I don't think anyone knows and he was drafted in the seventh round for a reason. So this might be a tough go for the Jaguars. And this would, uh, the Houston defense might be a great bye week pickup to play against this uh, Jaguars offense this week. So that's why it's significant. Um, some of the bigger news AJ Dillon and Marlon Humphrey. AJ Dillon running back for the Packers, Marlon Humphrey cornerback for the Ravens. They both tested positive for COVID. And A.J. Dillon's fine. I'm a little suspicious of Marlon Humphrey, though. He was sick all week from practice, so he didn't practice most of the week. Came back to play the game, and then the day after the game, like, oh, I have COVID. I have to be on protocol. And, of course, they're playing the Steelers, which is their big rivals, and uh, Harbaugh, who I'm not saying that he did this intentionally, but it definitely needs to be looked into in regards to, oh, our best cornerback you know, all all our other cornerbacks aren't playing. We need our best cornerback out there. Um, oh, he has COVID. Well, let's just sneak it by and you know not have him practice all week, so he's not tested, so he can make it to the game, and then uh, we'll test him afterwards. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying it's a little suspicious. I you should uh, the NFL should definitely get their private investigator glasses on and and, and check this out just to make sure it's legit. But. Uh, yeah, you, you don't like to hear anyone getting COVID, but when you have 
your star player, that's even more of an issue. Anyway, that's the news for right now. There'll be a lot more throughout the week, but uh, let's get moving on to our goats of the week. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. Let's start it right off with the quarterback Goats of the Week. The number three Goat of the Week is Philip Rivers at the Lions. He was a cool 23 of 33 for 262 yards, three touchdowns. And... This is kind of a change of pace for Phillip Rivers. Um, you know, the Lions, they're not really good at defending the pass. You knew that the opportunity was there for Phillip Rivers, but I guess what you didn't know was, was he going to take it? You're, you're handed the opportunity. Are you going to take this opportunity? And Phillip Rivers, he did, to his credit. I, I was worried about playing him in a lot of different leagues and with, like, the FanDuel matchup. You know, you saw it, and you're like, that's intriguing. But again, it's Philip Rivers. Well, he didn't disappoint. Uh, he had two touchdown passes to Naheem Hines and, and one to Jack Doyle. So obviously, you know, that, that running back connection. He likes to throw to the running back, and, and he, he did a lot this game. Jack Doyle, I, I, I admit, was the odd man out in regards to me thinking that uh, out of all the tight ends the Colts have, he was the last one I thought would catch a touchdown pass. But he did. And... Uh, there you have it. Philip Rivers is our third goat of the week. Our number two goat of the week, Russell Wilson against the 49ers. And I know Russell Wilson's an MVP candidate, and I know he's a good quarterback, but he's playing the Niners, who do a, a pretty good job against the opposing quarterback, and Russell Wilson didn't care. He just annihilated them. And mostly it was with the help of DK Metcalf. And it's, it's crazy with Russell Wilson because he can just throw it for, like, you know, 300 yards and three touchdowns to Tyler Lockett, and then he's like, well, they're going to focus on Tyler Lockett. I'm going to throw it for like 200 yards and three touchdowns over to DK Metcalf the next week. And that's the way it's going, and it's working. Uh, Russell Wilson had uh, was 27 of 37 for 261 yards, four touchdowns, also ran for 23 yards on six carries, but uh, just a, a dominant day for Russell Wilson, and I didn't even think they were going to score three touchdowns, let alone four passing touchdowns. And uh, like I said, DK Metcalf got a couple. Uh, DJ Dallas got one. It was uh, it was a good day all around to be a Seahawks fan and, and the way they manhandled the 49ers. And that was one of the games that I thought the uh, Niners would give them fits, and uh, that didn't happen. My number one... Goat of the week is Patrick Mahomes versus the Jets. This one was too good to be true. You see the Jets on the schedule. You're like, Patrick Mahomes is going to eat them alive. But then you overthink it a little bit. And you're like, man, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he's the best quarterback. But they're going to get such a huge lead that they're just going to run the ball the rest of the game and, you know, eat the clock and, and work that clock. And that's going to really take away from the game Patrick Mahomes has. Well, it didn't at all because he was 31 for 42, 416 yards and five touchdowns, and it was a whole team effort. I mean, he threw it to Tyreek Hill twice. He threw it to Travis Kelsey. He threw it to McCole Hardman. He threw it to Demarcus Robert, uh, Robertson. He threw it to everybody. Everyone had a go at it, 
and if you were doing FanDuel and you just picked the Chiefs offense minus the running backs, you probably were a top person on your lineup. And I know very many people probably didn't do that, but again, there's probably some people that did, and they definitely benefited. Mahomes is just a freak of nature. He's the best quarterback in the game. He's probably the best player in the game, to be honest. I mean, if we're really being honest with ourselves. And the Jets are really that bad. That's what it comes down to. And it was a 21-point spread, and the Chiefs covered it. A 21-point spread. So, good job, Patrick Mahomes. Good job, Chiefs. Uh, There's going to be more to come from that offense. Our running back goats of the week is kind of an odd cast of characters. Besides uh, maybe one dominant running back that is dominant every week, our, our number three goat of the week at running back is Giovanni Bernard versus the Titans. And this is a good matchup for Giovanni Bernard, but, you know, you're thinking the Titans might have taken a big lead and they're, you know, the Bengals were going to pass and it's going to take out the running game. Well, the Bengals end up winning this game. And, you know, they did pass the ball, but they ran the ball just as much and they were effective. And, and I think the big thing that helped Giovanni Bernard was just the, the touchdowns. I mean, his, his volume was about 20 touches the whole game. But uh, he was 15 carries for 62 yards and a touchdown and then had three catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, again, if you just look at the yardage, you're like, eh, his day was okay. But those two touchdowns really make a difference, and it was kind of a, a bad week all, all around for running backs. There wasn't a lot of scoring from that position. So Giovanni Bernard just getting those two definitely boosts him up into the uh, top three at the position this week. And, you know, this is two weeks in a row that Giovanni Bernard's doing, you know, Joe Mixon type things. It kind of uh, with Joe Mixon, he's kind of doing the things we've been wanting Joe Mixon to do all all year. So you're wondering what's going on with Joe Mixon in that regard, or if maybe the Bengals are starting to figure it out, and it means good things for Joe Mixon when uh, he comes back from injury. But uh, it's it's been fun to see Giovanni Bernard because he's such a threat through you know out of the backfield catching the ball, and, and then you know the volume he gets running the ball. Uh, he's he's definitely done more than just uh, fill Joe Mixon's shoes. He's actually done a little bit better so far. Number two, goat of the week, Zach Moss versus the Patriots. This was out of nowhere. He didn't even get the ball very much, so this is why it's so surprising. You know, Singletary didn't do bad. He rushed for a lot of yards, but it was Moss who got the touchdowns. Uh, He carried the ball 14 times for 81 yards and had the two touchdowns. Really big day for Zach Moss. You know, I, I really like Zach Moss over Singletary coming into the season, but uh, Zach Moss has been dealing with injury most of the year. This is really his first game back where he got, a, you know, enough volume to be significant and, and really kind of split the carries with Singletary. So this is could be a good thing, uh, a good sign for things to come with Zach Moss. And not that I think Singletary starts getting phased out. That'd be, you know, wishful thinking if you're a Zach Moss owner. But it's uh, it's definitely looking like it's a, a committee where both of them are going to get their opportunities. Number one running back goat of the week, Dalvin Cook at the Packers. He ran the ball 30 times for 163 yards, three touchdowns, had three uh, three targets for you know two catches, 63 yards, 
one touchdown. So uh, the the catch that he had, the, the it was like a 50-yard touchdown run. 50 yards. Uh, and that was his fourth touchdown of the day. So Dalvin Cook's probably the best running back in football right now. I don't know how you can dispute it. I mean, 30 carries is a lot, but I mean, 163 yards, three touchdowns. It's like Dalvin Cook is money. And uh, when you put him into the passing game as well, he, he basically accounted for all of the Vikings offense. Um, there was six touchdowns, actually seven touchdowns in that Vikings-Packers game, and they were all by two people. Uh, obviously, it was Dalvin Cook, and then it was Devontae Adams. So, it's just uh, Dalvin Cook is on a tear. You know, he's been, he just got back from injury, so there was questions on if he was going to play. And you know as soon as he got the green light to play that you are going to put him in there because he had a great matchup and he was going to do some good things. And he did. He just uh, he dominated this matchup. And they won on top of that. So good all-around game from Dalvin Cook. Uh, this was a fun week for some of these running backs you've been waiting on to produce. And, and they're starting to produce. Moving right in, or sliding right into our wide receiver goats of the week. This is a star-studded cast this week. You know, we've had some uh, lower-tier players kind of sneaking in the last couple weeks, and we've had none of that this week. Our third goat of the week is Tyreek Hill. Thank you to Patrick Mahomes. But uh, he got some deep balls. Um, you know, the first one was like a 50-yard bomb. Beautiful. Uh, that connection that Mahomes and Tyreek Hill have is just uh, something to watch. Uh, he was targeted six times, had four catches for 98 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, pretty impressive day for Tyreek Hill. It's not surprising, and it actually, to be honest, was kind of expected with that Jets defense. They can stop the run. They, they can't stop the pass. And, and uh, that's how the Chiefs attacked them. So Tyreek Hill, our number three GOAT of the week. Our number two goat of the week is Devontae Adams versus the Vikings. This one you could have seen a mile away. If you, when you saw the Vikings on the schedule with uh, the amount of injuries they had in the secondary, um, you, you knew it was going to be a great day for whoever was the main receiver. And it happened to be Devontae Adams. He was targeted 12 times, had seven catches for 53 yards, and the three touchdowns. Now, this is where it gets kind of crazy because 53 yards really isn't that big of a day. You know, you get seven catches, 53 yards, but, man, you get three touchdowns on those seven catches. That's what distinguishes you from everybody else. So it was, uh, yeah, it was really amazing to see. And I, uh, this is the second week in a row Devontae Adams has just been on fire. So he got, you know, had that injury, uh, came back. And hasn't looked back since. He's definitely the going to be the number one receiver by the end of the year if he keeps this up, and I think he will. I mean, they're just that target volume is getting. I don't see anyone competing with that right now. So he's a he's a fun receiver to watch. Our number one is DK Metcalf, and it's funny because I keep picking Devontae Adams to be the top receiver of the week, and then both times after it looked like. Devontae Adams was going to run away with it. A Seattle Seahawks receiver came in with a huge performance. Uh, 
And this week it was DK Metcalf with our number one goat of the week against the 49ers. Someone had to catch those balls that Russell Wilson was throwing, and it was DK Metcalf this week. He had 15 targets, which is just insane. Uh, actually, I don't know another player that had more than 15 targets uh, in this week. So DK Metcalf was the most targeted receiver. He had 12 catches for 161 yards, two touchdowns. And DK, DK Metcalf's a battleship. He just is so big. He's almost the size of a tight end just flying down the field. And, you know, his not coming into the draft was that he wasn't able to run routes and, you know, turn uh, and do, you know, and cut and all those type of things. He was just a nine-route guy. Well, I'll be honest, he, he's actually more than that. He's really, uh, his game's really improved in all in all aspects of it. But even if he is just running nine routes... With as big as he is, like he can just throw guys off of him. It doesn't matter. Uh, he's going to get the ball. So uh, DK Metcalf, this was his week, and he was our number one go to the week. <laughs> so tight ends, we really need to talk about the tight ends here, guys. We just do. The goats are usually guys that have outstanding weeks, and for tight end, for some reason, we, we don't. We don't have that at all. And I didn't include him on the list, but Taysom Hill would have actually been the second best tight end in regards to fantasy football points of week eight. He got a receiving touchdown. He rushed the ball for 35 yards. Basically did everything for the Saints. But I didn't put him on here just because in some leagues he's listed as a wide receiver quarterback. So... It, if he was unanimous tight end play, slash co- even slash quarterback, I would have put him on here. But since he's not, I had to skip him. Having said that, our number three go to the week is Eric Ebron at Baltimore. Had five targets, four catches for 51 yards, and one touchdown. His touchdown was a 15-yard pass from Roethlisberger. Wasn't even touched. Went across the middle, caught the ball, could jog right in. No one was around him. Uh, thing of beauty. Jared Cook is our number two goat of the week for tight end. He was targeted seven times, had five catches for 51 yards, a one touchdown. And you knew it was going to be a big day for the Saints at tight end. The Bears are do a fantastic job at defending the wide receiver position. And, you know, you have Cook, you had Hill, you have Josh Hill. Um, so I guess when I say Hill, I mean Taysom and Josh Hill, um, the, the Hill brothers. They, uh, but uh, especially Cook and Taysom Hill, they had a great week, and the Bears couldn't stop it, and the the Saints were able to win in overtime in this one. Our number one go to the week, Travis Kelsey, against the Jets. This was no contest. Twelve targets, eight catches for 109 yards, and one touchdown. This is a guy that definitely would have been, you know, on any week a go to the week. Just he had a great performance. It was against the Jets. The Jets are horrible. The, the Jets are so bad that the Chiefs were dancing on defense most of the game while the Jets were trying to run plays because the Jets are really bad at football and the Chiefs are really good at football. So hopefully we don't have another game that's this uh, big of a mitch, uh, mismatch because this was a tough watch. The Chief, Chiefs were favored by 21 points, covered the spread, and, uh, yeah, there's... I know I already mentioned that when I mentioned Patrick Mahomes, but I'm still amazed that uh, 
there was a spread of 21 points in the NFL. So we'll move on. Burke and Ms. the Wiz Maltabon, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. So for Ghosts of the Week, our number three quarterback, we really need to talk about this. This person played the Cowboys. Cupcake matchup for any quarterback. You think he's going to dominate. And what makes this more perplexing is this quarterback's played some tough defenses with the whole team injured and has still been somewhat productive. You know, played the Steelers, played the Ravens, just uh, played played a lot of pretty pretty good uh, teams and defenses. But then his schedule's opening up. He's playing some really good teams matchup-wise for him that he should really produce and excel at. And then he goes and throws up this dud against the Cowboys. Carson Wentz for the Eagles is who I'm talking about. And he was 15 for 27, 123 yards, 123 yards, barely over 100 yards against the, the worst passing defense in the NFL. Uh, 123 yards. He did throw for two touchdowns. One was like a one-yard pass to Rager. So it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't uh, anything too exciting. Threw two interceptions. Rushed the ball for 17 yards, and Carson Wentz was one of my like plays of the week where I'm like, man, I really want me as much Carson Wentz as possible. Carson Wentz is really going to light it up against this Cowboys defense, and he didn't do any of that. He like he had a disappointing week, so I wouldn't. Uh, I'm, I'm not jumping off the Carson Wentz bandwagon though because he has some really great matchups coming up. And I don't expect this thing to, uh, I think it's like a one-week anomaly. You know, it's a division opponent, so, you know, I'm trying to use that as the excuse. We'll see. Number two ghost of the week is Sam Darnold. He seems to be a fixture on this list. He he does play for the Jets. He does play for Adam Gase. So he's just going to be uh, on the list. He was 18 for 30 for 153 yards, rushed the ball for 21 yards. Mm, that's it. No touchdowns, no interceptions, no nothing. So, uh, Chiefs dominated pretty much the whole game. Jets couldn't do anything offensively. Really bad performance by Sam Darnold. Our number one ghost of the week, and, and this, even though this person's not a very good quarterback fantasy football wise, he had a pretty good matchup where he expected more from him, and he just didn't produce again. And we'll get to the pattern of Baker Mayfield here in a second, but he was 12 for 25 for 122 yards. So he threw for less than Carson Wentz did. He ran the ball six times for 29 yards. Really just a bad day. The Browns scored six points on offense against this Raiders defense, and that's just unacceptable. Um, You know, he, he played a bad game against the Steelers. They came back against the Bengals, and he had a really good game. And it was almost like, see, guys, I can do it. You know, I I, do, I played a dud game, and then I came back and played a great game. And then he just goes right back to p- playing mediocre quarterback. And that's what he does. Baker Mayfield's a mediocre quarterback. Uh, he Well, every four weeks he might have a decent performance, but then he'll disappear for the other three weeks until he gets questioned about how good of a quarterback he is. And then he'll have that one game where you're like, well, he's doing all right. You know, maybe he's putting it together. And then he doesn't. Uh, so that's Baker Mayfield in, in a nutshell, and 
he's our number one ghost of the week. Well, let's talk about our running backs and which running backs didn't meet expectations in week eight. We'll start with our number three, Joshua Kelly at Denver. He ran the ball seven times for 32 yards, had one catch for minus seven, and Joshua Kelly has been a disappointment. He's gotten a lot of play, even when Eckler was around, saying that he was going to take that Melvin Gordon role. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick, and not that he's a horrible running back, but I think our expectations of him were a little bit high. And I'll be honest, I wasn't necessarily high on Joshua Kelly. I was really uh, big on Austin Eckler coming into the year. But when Eckler went down, the Joshua Kelly expectations skyrocketed even higher. We expected him to be a dominant back and quickly realized that that's just not him. Him and Justin Jackson are both sharing the load, and they're both not playing well. And... Uh, this Denver game, what a blow to the Chargers in this one. Having that big lead, Denver slowly climbing back. That pass interference call at the end of the game, and then the Denver scores a, you know, lock those to Hamler at the last play of the game to win it. Just uh, pretty devastating if you're a Chargers fan because if they find more ways to lose than any team I've ever seen um, outside of the, the Lions, but. I think the Chargers are a little more dramatic in, in how they lose. Uh, just It's just craziness. Anyway, our, our number two ghost of the week at running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus the Jets, ran the ball six times for 21 yards, cut all of his targets, but only for 10 yards. And I get that they didn't need to run the ball. The Jets do a decent job at stopping the run. Uh, the Chiefs dominated from front to finish, so you probably didn't want to get Clyde hurt. But at the same time, with a matchup like the Jets, you, you figured they'd get a big lead. That would lead to a lot of, uh, of rushing and, and rushing volume for the running backs. So Le'Veon Bell should have had a big game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you thought, would have a big game. And neither of them did. And especially Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I mean, you had like a, what, three-point performance? That's just not going to cut it. My... Speaking of three-point performances, moving along to our number one ghost of the week at running back, Jonathan Taylor. And this doesn't even have to be the ghost of the week. This could be the ghost of the season. Jonathan Taylor had so much hype for a rookie. He actually had more hype than J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, everybody. And I just didn't see it with Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, you can go back to my podcast beginning of the season. I... You know, I actually rescinded a little bit when Mac got hurt because when Marlon Mac got hurt, I thought this would open the door for Jonathan Taylor to be successful just by volume. And he, I mean, he's, he's playing so badly that uh, Wilkins is getting a lot of play, and Naheem Hines is mixed in a lot. Like this is a three-headed monster that's just tough to figure out. But against this Lions team, he had 11 carries for 22 yards, targeted three times, had two catches for nine yards. 3.1 points, uh, 31 yards total in this whole game against you know a prime matchup like the Lions. Jonathan Taylor, you are just a ghost this whole season. So our wide receiver ghosts of the week, we needed to come up with three. 
And I'll be honest, three were easy to find. It was trying to stop past three that was the problem. We were able to narrow it down to three we think are good candidates, though. Our number three ghost of the week is T.Y. Hilton at the Lions. He had two catches for nine yards. was only targeted twice, and I don't know what happened to T.Y. Hilton, but I think he retired when Andrew Luck decided to retire because he hasn't done anything since Andrew Luck's retirement. And it's to the point now where you can't even start him in your fantasy football league. He's just consistently not doing anything. You keep thinking that uh, each game is going to be the breakout. Lions were a prime opportunity to have a good you know, production week from him. And it didn't happen. Hilton is basically staying at a Hilton hotel and packing it in, uh, sleeping the season away <laughs> because uh, you're not seeing him do anything out on the football field. And especially, you know, he's a slot receiver. He has so much room to work, usually, you know, underneath. I mean, at least more than two targets. T.Y. Hilton's done it in the past. He's been a good receiver in the past. And for whatever reason, he just is not doing it this season. And, you know, didn't really do it much last season, to be honest, either. So uh, this is starting to become really concerning. And, you know, if I have T.Y. Hilton, I'm not even sure I keep him on my roster. He's a drop for me at this point. Henry Ruggs, our number two wide receiver at the Browns. You know, it was the Browns. They're not good at defending the pass. He was targeted four times, had two catches for eight yards, and then ran the ball once for a yard. And Henry Ruggs, I thought, would have some big plays against this Cleveland Browns secondary. He was the guy, you know, with the speed that uh, you figured he'd get some uh, vertical uh, passing plays and really take the top off the defense. And he didn't take the top off the defense at all. He didn't really do much of anything. So the the touchdown went to Hunter Renfro. Uh, overall, with that Raiders offense, it was pretty embarrassing. I thought this might be a high-scoring game, and it was not. You know, 16-6 to isn't going to cut it. Henry Ruggs, I know he's a rookie, but you expect a little bit more from him. Our number three is Deontay Johnson for the Steelers. He was playing at the Ravens, was targeted only three times, which is like eight less than he normally is. He averages around 11, 12 targets a game. He was not targeted that at all. He had one catch for six yards and just, man, pretty disappointing. Only getting six yards. Uh, on one catch. You figured he'd get more, especially because Peters was kind of on Claypool a lot of the game. Humphreys was on Juju Smith-Schuster. So if Marlon Humphrey can't uh, guard you and Peters isn't guarding you, you figured you get open a little bit more and have a bigger impact on the game. I'm not going to hold it against Dante Johnson because, you know, the week before he was one of our goats of the week with his two-touchdown performance. But uh, this was a... A drastic turn of events going from the goat to the ghost in a matter of a week. Uh, so, obviously, with Deontay Johnson, he's still in your lineup. You're still playing him. He has some awesome matchups these next three weeks, especially this next one against the Cowboys. This could be a doozy. Uh, so, I wouldn't uh, give up on Deontay Johnson at all. And in fact, he could be a top play for you. So, keep him in your lineup. Keep chugging along. I think this matchup was just a. Uh, or the statistical output was just an anomaly. (laughs) 
these tight end ghosts of the week, they are three players that were supposed to have pretty good matchups and, and do some pretty big things this week. They ended up, just like the Halloween weekend, being ghosts and pretty much invisible. Really disappointing. Janu Smith is our first one. He played the Bengals, had two targets, two catches, 29 yards. So that tells me that, uh, you know, 100% target to catch ratio, he needed to be throwing the ball more. The, the Titans were behind. They, uh, you, you figured that would increase the passing volume, and they still kept trying to run it. And I tip my hat to the Bengals because they're getting better and better. You know, they had a similar game where they took a big lead against the Colts and then lost it at the end. This one they were able to hold on and uh, pull out the victory. But, uh, yeah, the, the performances of the, the Titans' offense was was pretty uh, pretty disappointing, and I expected more from Janu Smith. Number two, Jimmy Graham. He was listed as one of our stars of the week. Him and Janu Smith were two of our three stars of the week, and now they're both on our Ghosts of the Week. So pretty disappointed. Matchup was there against the Saints. He was targeted seven times, so they were really trying to get the ball to him. They just couldn't do it. He had two catches for 13 yards, and uh, yeah, overall you need a you need more yards than that. That's uh, you might need more touchdowns than that too to a zero. Yeah, it's just overall Jimmy Graham laid an egg on this matchup, and he, you know just when you started to believe in Jimmy Graham, he was uh, starting to get targets and receptions and yards and touchdowns, and you're like, man, Jimmy Graham might be the real thing this season, you know, after these last couple years of disappointment and thought he was getting over the hill and, and being, becoming irrelevant. Uh, you finally go all in on him this week and, and then he disappoints. So that's pretty sad. Our number one ghost of the week is Mike Kosicki versus the Rams. Was targeted twice, had one catch for eight yards. And this is the second week in a row where Gasicki is just not part of this offense. I didn't like him this week anyways because Tua was starting in his debut, and you just don't know what that offense is going to look like. You don't know who he's going to be targeting. Usually the tight end's a great safety valve for a rookie quarterback, but it's tough to bank on that, you know, the very first start, what that's going to, what that looks like. So, uh, But Mike Isicki definitely disappointed. He uh, didn't give you the performance you needed or wanted, and if you had him as you know in your starting lineup, you probably ended the week with a big fat L. Yay! I want to talk about our eerie, spooky, terrifying week eight and uh, kind of recap the events of the week. It was a it was an interesting week to say the least. You know, our predictions against the spread, we were nine and five which I'm happy about. Usually if you can get uh, that many games above 500 on the week, you did a, a pretty good job predicting the game, so I'm pretty happy with that. We had, uh, man, just th that Denver game, we called that. The Chargers were favored by one at the time. We picked Denver. Denver ended up winning the Raiders at the Browns. We picked the Raiders. They ended up beating the Browns. Um Obviously, we our misses were the Titans beating the Bengals by four points or more, and 
the Vikings losing to the Packers. We uh, picked the Packers and gave up seven points, and the Vikings won handedly in that game. Uh, my my biggest one that I was nervous about was the Kansas City Chiefs at 21 point favorites, uh, but they did cover that. So the the Jets are continue to be the laughing stock of the league, and uh, they will probably stay there the whole year. I, I picked the Steelers against the Ravens. That turned out to be a good pick because the Steelers won. But again, there's no way that the Ravens were going to win by five and a half points in this matchup. I mean, either way, I would pick the, the points because that's how close these games usually are. Um, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I actually picked them in the 10 points. That game just happened today. The Giants played them well. The, the Bucks just barely slipped by with a two-point win. And, yeah, that uh, didn't really make my night. I thought I was going to cap the week off by only missing four, but I didn't. The, uh, the Giants played better than I expected. Ronald Jones fumbles the ball and never heard from again. So if you started Ronald Jones, you know, he had a great matchup for the week, and, uh, like I said, he fumbled. Leonard Fournette the rest of the way. So uh, we'll get Antonio Brown next week. He wasn't able to play this week. We'll uh, you know, start seeing what this Buccaneers offense looks like and who's going to lose targets because of it. You know, I actually think this might help Mike Evans because they'll have another receiver to focus on, kind of take away the double teams, and uh, this should open up the offense. When Chris Godwin gets back, should really open up the offense. Um, but it's going to be a situation where they're eating into each other's targets. Cowboys, I mean, they tried to start Ben DiNucci. Uh, that was a horrible performance. I mean, he's a seven-string quarterback from James Madison. He couldn't even make the, you know, couldn't even start at Pitt. And you knew going into this game that the Eagles' defense was primed for a huge game, and they were, and they had a, you know, they had a huge game. Uh, this Cowboys offense is just putrid. Uh, Dak Prescott just made himself millions and millions and billions of dollars because you look at what uh, they look like under Dak and what they look like now, it, it's just night and day. And it's it's looking like the Cowboys season's pretty uh, pretty much ruined. I don't see them winning too many games, uh, at least until Andy Dalton gets back. Ben DiNucci's a nice project. But throwing them out there to compete right now just doesn't, uh, uh, yeah, it doesn't bring winning football to uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, Broncos, you know, they're looking better. Drew Locke looked horrible those first three quarters, and then just, uh, I shouldn't say all three quarters, about two and a half quarters, and then just a light switch went off, and he was on fire. So Denver needs to see more of the Drew Locke that happened the last quarter and a half and yeah they need to uh not uh, start off so slowly because they their schedule opens up a little bit and they can be a pretty competitive team san francisco 49ers with all these injuries garoppolo getting hurt kiddo getting hurt it's just like one injury after another i'm thinking they're going to start fading and you wonder what their offense is going to look like with all these injuries so they're kind of a team I'm kind of staying away from and I'm leery of just because of, you know, the fact that uh, they don't have a lot of people left. This uh, football sometimes a sport of attrition, but 
they're running out of attrition. <laughs> they're running. They have no depth anymore. Um, anyways, the the Steelers. They're, they're the last undefeated team in the NFL. I thought this would be the week that they lost. I thought Baltimore would beat them. They didn't. Pittsburgh proved that they're right now playing like the best team in football. And their schedule really opens up, so they could be 10-0 and before they lose the game. They, they play the Cowboys, Bengals, Jaguars, and not to say they can't lose any of those games. You know, the, the Bengals, they just beat the Titans, so maybe they can give them a game. But overall, these are games that the Steelers will be favored to win, and they should win them. So it's going to be interesting, you know, if they end up getting to 10-0, and uh, who that first loss is going to be. The, the Rams and the Dolphins, the Rams looked horrible. So just when you think they're taking steps forward and, you know, they're going to be contenders in the West, they drop a dud to the Dolphins. You know, this was Tua's first game starting, but he didn't produce a winning performance by any means. It was, you know, it was a rookie quarterback making his first start type of uh, type of performance that he had. And the the Rams should have definitely capitalized on that, but you know the Dolphins got a defensive touchdown. They got a kick. Re- the Dolphins got a kick return touchdown, and you know those are 14 points right there. Rams just couldn't keep up. Daryl Henderson got hurt. Just a, a lot of bad things in this Rams matchup. I think the only positive thing for the Rams was the uh, Bobby Trees and his. Uh, Two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. He had a nice game. Outside of that, though, just kind of a, a putrid game. And, you know, you go over to the Green Bay Packers in Minnesota. You really thought the Packers was going to eat the Minnesota defense alive. And they had trouble scoring. You know, if it wasn't for Devontae Adams, they might still be trying to score. It just was, was one of those uh, games where you're expecting a really high score. And it was a high score for the, the Vikings and, and just running Dalvin Cook. They were really able to control the clock, really control the you know the ground game. They won at the trenches. And now the Packers are, are reeling a little bit. They have two losses, and they're not the uh, strong contenders we, we thought they were just uh, coming into the week. But uh, that makes it pretty scary. That's the... Uh, like I said, that the Halloween weekend slate, and uh, yeah, some fans got some treats with how their teams performed, and some fans got tricked on what they uh, what their team really is compared to what they thought they were, and uh, yeah, this is a halfway point of the season, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how things unfold the rest of the way. But there's just some exciting football. There's definitely some teams that are left for dead. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about the Buccaneers. You know, they didn't play really well this Monday night, but I think they're contenders. Uh, Seattle, obviously, I think Seattle's the biggest contender in the NFC right now. Uh, Packers, I think they're sliding a little bit, but uh, they're up there. Saints, I, I always think the Saints are a really good team just because they're playing better defense. They're not relying on Drew Brees to win the game all the time. And uh, they have a team that can beat anyone any given Sunday. So, uh, on the AFC side, even though the Titans lost, they got to be up there. Steelers, Ravens, Chiefs, you know, those are the top four. And I just think the Bills, as well as they've been playing, they're really starting to slide. 
and uh, they're you know they barely beat the Patriots, who are a horrible team. They barely beat the Jets, who are a horrible team. They really need to start finding their beginning of the season magic, because when they start playing better teams, they're going to lose these games. It's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get started. This is the favorite part of the podcast. This is the pickups to stick up segment. This is where we tell you who to pick up off the waiver wire to dominate your week. Hopefully dominate the rest of the season. We've had a couple good weeks of, well, I shouldn't say a couple. Last week was a good week for pickups. There are some definitely some players that could help you with the rest of your season. This week, I will be honest, not so much. But there's definitely some players that can help you in some key spots. So let's get right to it. Quarterback, the number three pickup for quarterback is Drew Locke for the Broncos. He's playing the Falcons. The Falcons are horrible pass defense. Drew Locke, he had a rough start. He's a scary play. Trust me, I know he's a scary play. But this matchup's too good to be true. I think he's really productive, gets a lot of yards and some touchdowns, and really has his first breakout game. Number two is Jake Luton for the Jaguars versus Houston. I'm I'm not saying to pick him up and play him in this matchup. That would just be asinine. But they haven't been happy with Minshew. They are believing it's the thumb. But uh, who knows how long, you know, it's supposed to be a couple weeks for that thumb injury. Uh, They're going to see what they have in Jake Luton, so they're going to be passing the ball. They're going to be running their offense. It'd be interesting to see what they have in him. And, you know, if Minshew comes back and isn't productive, they might hand it over to Luton. I think that's best-case scenario, for obviously, for Jake Luton. Um, Not for the Minshew magic. Nobody wants to see the mustache on the bench. They like him in the huddle, directing the team down the field. But... uh, I just think Jake Luton's an interesting person for a dynasty keeper type league. He's someone that uh, could be- potentially take over that quarterback spot. So uh, it's there. Number one is Nick Mullins for the 49ers. He's playing the Packers, so he can have a big week. He's a better passer than Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't, I'm not saying he's a better quarterback, obviously, or he'd be starting ahead of Garoppolo. But I just like Mullins better than Garoppolo, and he should be the pickup here. Uh, they, you know, you might see uh, C.J. Berthard, um, but I, I, you know, Mullins was the quarterback that they used last week when Garoppolo got hurt. I think they stay with him, and he's the guy. And yeah, just this matchup with the Packers and with the some of the matchups the Forty ers have in uh, in the near future. Um, he could be uh, a better play than Jimmy Garoppolo was and get you some fantasy points, you know, some sneaky fantasy points. At wide receiver, we have four this week. I try to keep it to three, but it's been really hard at receiver. It's been a revolving door. There's been a lot of injuries, a lot of guys coming back from IR, so I think that's the reason why it's been dipping past that three-person mark. But the number four receiver we have is Alan Lazard for the Packers. He's coming off IR. The last time you saw him, he had like two touchdowns and a crazy like career game, hundred and something yards. Lazard needs to be the pickup if you 
don't have an IR slot. If you did, you know, the owner probably put him in the IR slot because they spent a lot of time getting him off the waiver wire after that game, after which he promptly went to, to the IR. Um, but if he's available, pick him up. You need to get him. He's uh, Devontae Adams needs some help. They need that second receiver. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is not that receiver. He's, uh, he's a good uh, guy to have on three receiver sets, but uh, he's not uh, nearly as productive as L- Lazard has been. Aaron Rodgers likes to use him. He likes to look his way. And, uh, you know, obviously the reason why they're throwing to Devontae Adams so much is because he's the only one that's open. Lazard will uh, help alleviate that a little bit. Number three is Brandon Ayuk for the 49ers. Debo Samuel's hurt again. He's going to be out for a while. They don't really have anyone else. He actually, Garoppolo only threw for like, you know, 100 and some, like 10 yards, 120 yards. But uh, Aok had 84 yards receiving and a touchdown. He gets uh, more and more targets each week. That was, uh, you know, he did that last week. The week before he had like eight targets. So I think his volume keeps going up and they keep using him as the main receiver. So if he's not on your roster or a roster, you need to be looking his way. Pick him up. He could be really beneficial for you down the road. Cole Beasley for the Bills is another one. He's my number two wide receiver for pickup. And I say this because he just uh, just gets a lot of yards per, uh, like, attempt uh, his way. Uh, He's in the slot for the Bills. John Brown's been hurt. He's coming back. I think that opens up the Bills' offense to be the way it was, you know, at the beginning of the season. And Beasley working that middle of the field is just a great uh, safety outlet for Josh Allen, and he looks his way a lot. So he gets a lot of targets, gets a lot of balls. He's, you know, been kind of sliding under the radar, but uh, he's a he's been a top thirty-five receiver, and that's starting material. And he's on a lot of waiver wires, so uh, that needs to end. You need to pick him up. Go get Cole Beasley. And uh, I like him just because he's a better rapper than any other NFL player. And you need to look at it sometime. Look up Cole Beasley's rapping because, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell's the famous one, uh, but Le'Veon Bell's not very good. Cole Beasley is actually does a he's a pretty decent rapper. Um Anyways, number one is Michael Pittman, and uh, he's coming off the IR. He had a lot of volume before he got hurt. You know, Paris Campbell got hurt, was out for the year. He thought that was going to open up the door for Pittman to do great things this year. And then he got hurt. So uh, now he's going to be back. That gives Phillip Rivers another weapon. And the Colts couldn't come at a better time because the Colts don't have a lot of weapons right now and uh I think Michael Pittman Jr. could be the guy for the Colts right now especially because T.Y. Hilton's a shell of his former self you know uh Zach Paschal is what he is he's not going to do more than what he's already doing so they don't have that big play guy he's a big target and he needs to be your number one pickup for wide receiver running back I have Gus Edwards for the Ravens Mark Ingram was hurt last game. J.K. Dobbins ran wild. Gus Edwards ran wild. You might want to say, why didn't you use J.K. Dobbins as your pickup? Mostly because he's on a lot of rosters. You know, he was a rookie, so I think a lot of teams are hanging on to him, even though he's not producing. Now that he is producing, obviously, they're 
not going to get rid of him. And Gus Edwards has the better yards per carry. He's the more explosive runner. And I just think he has better value overall in the long term. So I think if Mark Ingram doesn't play or, you know, he's been pretty ineffective that they start pivoting to the the other players in the backfield, that uh, Gus Edwards will get the uh, the key carries for this offense and be used more in the passing game. So um, Gus Edwards it is. And Jordan Wilkins for the Colts is my second pickup. Mostly I say this because he had an amazing game last week, but that's not why I'm saying pick up Jordan Wilkins. Jonathan Taylor has been atrocious. It's really been a three-headed monster between Hines, uh, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, and Jonathan Taylor. And Jordan Wilkins has looked the best, especially running the ball. Jonathan Taylor at this point would be on my bench. I don't trust him. He's not producing. Uh, Wilkins is... So if I'm going to play any of those running backs, Wilkins is going to be my guy and not Jonathan Taylor. So um, that needs to be your second option because he's available in almost all leagues and he can be a valuable piece down the road. My number one is Zach Moss for the Bills. You know, he probably was drafted as like a flyer because he had potential. And, you know, he was like the camp darling. A lot of people thought he was going to take over for Devin Singletary. And he's been hurt and hurt and hurt. He finally is making his way back, and then he plays the Patriots, which was a pretty decent matchup. I mean, uh, Patriots have, haven't done a, an amazing job against the Rush. And, but you thought that would open the door for Singletary. And, and Singletary played well. He had 90 yards rushing. But uh, Zach Moss is the one that scored the two touchdowns. He had 14 carries. I think going forward... You know, he just looks better. He looks like the more explosive runner. I think there's a lot of room for Zach Moss to take that over and really help this Bills offense, and he is going to start getting more of the timeshare than Singletary. So he needs to be your pickup at running back. Zach Moss, if he's available, get him. He's, uh, yeah, he's going to take over that that role for the Bills, I, I, I believe. So tight end, you know, I had four receivers, so I only have two tight ends. I basically, I've exhausted my tight end. Uh, pickups. There shouldn't be anyone left to pick up with, you know, my recommendations. Number two, though, is Jacob Hollister. I know what you're thinking. He plays for the Seahawks. You know, they have Greg Olson. They have Will Disley. Why are you focusing on Jacob Hollister? The reason why I'm doing that is because the trade deadline is on Tuesday. My podcast is coming out on Tuesday. He's supposed to be traded. There's rumors that the Seahawks are trying to shop him. If that's the case, he can go to a situation where he can be a pretty productive tight end. I like Hollister a lot. When he got his shot at, we know, with the Seahawks last year, he played really well. And, you know, the the, the Seahawks can afford to trade him because they have Olsen and Disley. Um, you know, it's great to have three productive tight ends, but that's kind of an excess of, or an excess of services. And I can see why they want to trade him. And if he goes to a spot that's, you know, where he's going to get a lot of volume and targets, he can be a, a good player to have on your roster. So if you're looking for that kind of project down the road where it, it could pay dividends in the playoffs this year, uh, Hollister might be that guy. It's at le- He's at least worth stashing until you know where he goes. And if he, you know, stays in, with the Seahawks, you can drop him. 
or he goes to a team where he's not going to be the guy, you can drop him. But uh, if you go somewhere where he can be a good starting uh, player um, and be productive, then he'll already be on your roster and you don't have to fight for him later on. My number one, of course, is Ross Dwelly for the 49ers. We've went over it. George Kittle was hurt. He's potentially out for eight weeks, which could be the whole season, especially the whole season for fantasy football. Ross Dwelly is actually a decent 49ers tight end. He did well in his uh, spot starting last week or last year when Kittle was hurt. Jordan Reed was supposed to be that guy, but he's on IR because he got hurt. So now that they're both hurt, Ross Dwelly is all they have left, and he is productive. He actually gets more passing volume than George Kittle does when he's out there by like 6% higher uh target volume so I'm all over Ross Dwelly I think he needs to be the, the pickup and if if even if you have a middling like meddling tight end where you're like I'm not sure about him like you, you know obviously if you have Evan Ingram you're keeping Evan Ingram but if you have like of the Browns tight end or even Eric Ebron or any of those guys I would actually rather have Ross Dwelly and what he can do than you know Jimmy Graham I'd rather have Ross Dwelly um, I just feel like he's going to be a bigger part of that offense and get more targets and volume, and will will do better than most of the other tight ends that you can try to start in a week. So there you have it. Those are the pickups. Let's act on it now. Let's get those guys, and let's uh, start getting our lineup set for the big Week 9 matchups. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do. Man. I just hope I win. The Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Weekly Preview Starting now. Now this is going to be a matchup. We finally have a Thursday night game where there's going to be a good matchup that everyone should be looking forward to. It's the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. And the Packers are favored by two and a half points over the Niners. And there's two things working against me because I think I'm picking the Packers and giving up the two and a half points. The injuries to Garoppolo and Kittle kind of concern me. And I just feel like with Rodgers and the dud they laid last week that they're going to come back pretty strong and try to redeem themselves. Kind of like they did when they played the Buccaneers and then you know went to Houston. Totally dominated. I feel like this is going to be a... You know, kind of like the same circumstance. I, I don't think they're as productive as they were against Houston just because the 49ers still have a pretty decent defense. But I do think they cover the two and a half. But there's two things working against me. The 49ers are only one and six in their last seven home games against the spread. And the, the Packers have lost their last five games on the West Coast. So both things are kind of against each other in that regard. <laughs> um 
All things considered, though, I'm going with who's available, the talent on a short week, and I'm taking the Packers to, to win this game. Starting and sitting, I mean, you're starting Aaron Rodgers because you don't want to bench him. He doesn't have a good matchup in this one, but neither did Russell Wilson, and you saw what he did last week. So you're starting Aaron Rodgers. You are starting Devontae Adams because, again, he doesn't have a good matchup in this one, but Aaron Rodgers has to throw it somewhere, and it's going to be Devontae Adams. So he's definitely a start. Um, you're, you're pretty much sitting everyone else. Jamal Williams, I mean, the 49ers can stop the running back. They can stop the rush. Jamal Williams is going to be that guy. You know, I think Aaron Jones, uh, it's a short week. I don't think he comes back. I think he's going to miss another week. So that's going to be Jamal Williams. And uh, yeah, it's just not a good week. So I have Alan Lazard. He's on the bench uh, just because he's coming back for maybe the first time. You know, he might not, he might, but if he does, I just, uh, I want to see more of Alan Lazard before I actually start playing him. I'm worried that he's not going to be 100%. He's going to try to get out there and just kind of be a decoy for the offense. And, you know, for fantasy football, I want production. MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's on my bench. I don't trust him anymore. Uh, He hasn't, you know, ever since... The wide receivers got hurt, and he was the man. When Adams and Lazard were out, he couldn't carry the load, and he just the targets kind of dropped off since then, even with Adams. So he's not worth starting uh, for me. And Robert Tanyan is definitely a bench. I hate to say that because I like the way the Packers are finally starting to use the tight ends, but the 49ers are a horrible matchup against the tight ends, so you're sitting Robert Tanyan. For the 49ers, Jarek McKinnon, Jamichael Hasty, you're starting both of them. I don't know who's going to get the ball, but one of those two are. They're going to get the ball a lot, and they're going to dominate this Packers defense. The Packers can't stop the rush. Uh, they can't stop the you know, the running back get, uh, getting receptions out of the backfield. Uh, so if they do any type of swing passes or Downfield passing with the running back. The Packers are in trouble. So McKinnon or Hasty, one of them is going to have a big day. But that's really about it because I don't like anyone else on the Niners. Nick Mullins, you're sitting, and it's a bad matchup for him, so you're sitting him. But really, I wouldn't be starting Nick Mullins anyways in this matchup Um, or any matchup. He's just coming, you know, he's replacing a starting quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't have faith that he's a good start anyway. Um, outside of that, Brandon Ayuk, you know, we just spent all this time building him up. Kendrick Bourne, we spent all this time building him up. And those guys are both on my bench. I, I just, they don't have good matchups. The Packers are decent against the receivers. Uh, they just can't stop the run. So, Ross Dwelly, same thing. Packers can stop receivers. They just can't stop the run. So if you really want to beat them, you could, you're going to run the ball on them. Uh, they they do a decent job of, uh, of on on their pass defense. So um, this really should be the McKinnon and uh, Jamichael Hasty show in this game. Regardless, I'm looking forward to this game because the Niners really need to win this game to stay in the playoff hunt. The Packers need to get off to Schneid. And that division's starting to get, you know, with the Bears kind of fading. 
if the Packers start fading, that's really going to open it up for potentially the Lions to catch him. And you don't want to see the Lions do that. I like the Lions, but uh, they're uh, they're a maddening, inconsistent team as well. So uh, the, the Packers really have a chance to take over the AFC or the NFC North in this one. And the, the Niners have a chance to stay in contention with the NFC West, which is turning out to be probably the best division in football with the Cardinals, Seahawks, and the Rams. But regardless, this should be fun. We all should be looking forward to it. If you uh, make sure to set your lineups in this one, put your players in their regular positions. Like if it's a receiver, put them in the receiver position. If they're running back, put them in the running back position. And uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely has some fancy football relevance. So can't wait for it. Well, that will do it for our show today. Week 8 is in the books. It's time to get amped up for Week 9. You're listening to the Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Miz the Wiz Montalban. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back at it in a couple days, going through the Sunday morning games and the rest of the breaking news. Till then, cheers. 